On today's show, Kevin Durant traded to the Phoenix Suns. NBA trade deadline madness in full effect. How does this KD trade impact the Houston Rockets and the Brooklyn Nets picks that they own moving forward? How does this shift the entire NBA landscape? We're going to unpack and analyze all that. Plus, we'll take a look at the brutal Houston Rockets loss against the Sacramento Kings. The horrendous call at the end of the game against Eric Gordon on De'Aaron Fox. We're going to break down all of that coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green, Alperon Shengun, and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, Four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. The show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube, where I... I want you to comment. What the hell? Like, just tell me, tell me your thoughts on the KD trade. At, tell me your thoughts on the KD trade, what it means for the Rockets. Like, just give me, just give me all your word vomit. Like, tell me whatever you're feeling, because I am still fresh off reacting to this trade because I was, uh, I got home, I literally walked in my door, and then 15 minutes later, the trade broke. I'm still kind of processing it a little bit. Um... But yeah, go go comment on the YouTube page. Uh, as al- as always, thank you so much for making LOR part of your day, whether it's on the way to work, uh, at the gym, on your lunch break. Thank you for making Locked on Rockets part of your day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Oh my goodness. I, I can't, it's... I, I thought that we might see this right. The Suns were being super aggressive with the trade, but here's the thing. They pulled off the KD trade without trading DeAndre Ayton. I didn't think that was going to be possible. So now, so here, here's the, if you weren't up at midnight when the Woj bomb landed and all that, uh, the Suns are trading Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, four first round picks, all fully unprotected, and a 2028 pick swap. For Kevin Durant and TJ Warren. So the Suns' new starting lineup is Chris Paul, Devin Booker, TJ Warren, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton. Instant favorites to come out of the Western Conference. That I I can't believe the Suns did it. I can't believe they pulled this off. And that's all well and good. Congrats for the Suns. They're gonna be title favorites this season. The Nets, curiously enough, are, I mean, it's so weird because they did Kyrie Irving and the return they got for Kyrie was like the best like win now package that they could have gotten for Kyrie. And I guess I must write that package was probably to try and appease Kevin Durant a little bit. And then KD was like, nah. And so then KD forces his way out. 
And so then the sun, the the Nets turn around and they get the best like rebuilding package. They right, they got the picks laden package for KD. So two very different trades there for their two stars because they could have absolutely cashed in and gotten more picks for Kyrie from some other team. Instead, they got win now players. Maybe they'll be able to flip those guys into other picks. But KD and Kyrie are gone, and the Nets are left with like. Ev- Ben Simmons and every 3 and D role player in the NBA, basically. That's what comprises the Nets roster right now. And here's the takeaway from the Houston Rockets perspective. Rafael Stone won the Harden trade. Like, this was the perfect ending. This was exactly what, when the Harden trade first went down, this was exactly what we were hoping to see. Slightly two years removed from the trade, Right. This was the best possible outcome was the dysfunction and for the Brooklyn Nets to just implode. And that's exactly what happened. Two years away from the trade, from when it first happened, James Harden forces his way out. KD and Kyrie, a lot of instability. Kevin Durant demands trade. They calm him down. Kyrie forces his way out. Then KD's gone. All three of the big three are now gone. And the cherry on top is that somehow the Nets wound up being saddled with Ben Simmons, who is like a negative value contract right now. They they would have to give up assets to get rid of Ben Simmons right now. Look, I've, I've had my criticisms about the lack of moves at the margins and stuff like that with this Rockets front office, but they, it was a slam dunk on the James Harden trade. And now we're seeing the, the fully realized potential of that trade with just how good these Brooklyn Nets picks can possibly be now. Because, reminder, the Rockets still have five of those picks left. They have a swap this year, and in 2025, and in 2027, the right to swap with the Brooklyn Nets. And then they have the 2024 and 2026 picks completely unprotected. So... There's a lot that can come out of this, and there's still a lot of time between this trade happening and the actual NBA trade deadline, maybe the Rockets are going to be active players or more active players at the deadline now, knowing that these picks are at peak value and we'll we'll probably stay at peak value because here's the thing. The Nets is currently constructed. They are no longer title contenders. They're not. The floor for these picks is probably mid, the middle part of the first round. So like, you know, 15, around pick 15 or so. That's probably the absolute floor for these picks because this Nets team as presently constructed is maybe like a play-in tournament team at best, which means that's where those picks are going to land. And then the best case scenario for some of these picks is that the Nets actually bottom out and look really bad and the picks turn into top-end lottery picks. So while it's not the right move for the Houston Rockets to hold on to those picks and make those draft selections and all that, they like... The last major draft pick that the Rockets should probably make is Wimby or Scoot this year. And then after that, you want to look at packaging those picks, right? You want to capitalize on the potential of those picks and you package them all up and you throw them at a star player. And now those picks are at their peak value, right? They were at peak value maybe. They, they looked like they were going to be at peak value when KD was asking out. Now it is fully realized, right? Because Kyrie is gone, KD is gone. All the Nets have left is Ben Simmons and role players, which means those picks for the next five years are looking super, super juicy to any team that wants to, hey, you know what? 
We need to hit the reset button. Here's our young star. Here's our disgruntled star. We need a quick reset. Cool. Give us all the Nets assets because those are going to be really, really great for us to draft some upcoming young talent to hit the, you know, to, to actually rebuild, to jumpstart a rebuild. And the Rockets are in prime position to make that move should it become available. So I do want to give credit to the Rockets front office. They nailed it on the James Harden trade. And now the, Ro- the Rockets won that deal, right? And now they are in the best possible position to make a trade moving forward. But there's a lot more from the KD trade that I want to unpack. Some of the avenues that the Nets might go, some other, you know, basically, you know, what are what are the different things that could happen between now and the deadline that tell us about the Nets' future? What ways could the Rockets get involved? Would it make sense to maybe go after one of Cam Johnson or Mikhail Bridges from the Nets before the trade deadline? We're going to unpack all of that as well as we're going to get to some of the takeaways and notes from the Rockets' brutal loss the way that game ended against Sacramento Kings. We're going to get there in just one moment, but first, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't Win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a the first touchdown in the game. But here's the thing. After all this KD news, I want to focus in on the NBA championship odds. So you can still go catch Super Bowl 57 action over at FanDuel. But right now, uh, let's take a look at the title favorites in the NBA after the Kevin Durant news. Boston Celtics still favorites at plus 280. The Milwaukee Bucks at plus 420. And then the Phoenix Suns have shot all the way up to third place at plus 460. Rounding out the top five, you have the Denver Nuggets at plus 700. And then the LA Clippers at plus 1300. So for all those odds, go check out FanDuel.com. Uh, join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash on to claim your no-sweat-first bet on Super Bowl 57 or to go bet on NBA Finals odds. That's FanDuel.com slash on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. The NBA trade deadline is here. Today is the day. And Locked on has you covered Thursday, February 9th. Tune into Locked on NBA on YouTube at 2 p.m. Eastern time to hear reaction from the trades that will change the rest of the NBA season. Who becomes contenders? The Phoenix Suns trading for Kevin Durant. And who's tanking for a better future? Subscribe to Locked on NBA on YouTube and don't miss a single deal. There's still probably going to be some more movement at this NBA trade. This was supposed to be a quiet NBA trade deadline, and it has been one of the loudest ones in recent memory. Um, also, that three-team deal that we talked about on last episode between the L.A. Lakers, uh, Utah Jazz, and Minnesota Timberwolves did come to fruition. So we'll maybe unpack that in, in just a moment, kind of what that, what that also means for the Houston Rockets. But when you look at the situation that the Nets find themselves in, right? These next 12 or so hours or however many it's going to be before the deadline comes to fruition will tell us a lot about the attempted direction that the Nets will go for the remainder of the season, right? Because they could very easily take a bunch of the quality role players because the Nets have a lot of high-quality role players on their team now. They could fire sale every single one of those guys and go head first into the rebuild. 
And the reason they could get away with doing that, one, because they would get assets back for those guys, right? You, you start stockpiling the picks, you trade off all these guys, cool. This season, currently, right, the, net, the Nets are, as far as the standings are concerned, the Nets are currently sitting at fifth place in the Eastern Conference, 32 and 22, so 10 games above 500. It's not too unreasonable to imagine, especially because the the way the East is kind of stacked up. I mean, you look at, you know, the outside the playoff picture, the Wizards are only, you know, a handful of games back, four and a half games back uh, of the sixth seed, fifth seed. Yeah, I mean, basically, the Nets, if they wanted to, they could turn the tank on and bottom out this season and beeline straight for the bottom of the standings if they wanted to. And the reason that they might be interested in doing that is this season... They only owe the Rockets a swap. So regardless of where their pick lands, the Rockets have the opportunity to swap for it, but the Rockets are probably going to be a worse team than the Nets this season, right? The Rockets are currently the worst team in the association. It stands to reason that the Nets aren't going to be able to catch up to the Rockets in the tanking standings. So there's a world where the Rockets could land, say, the number two overall pick, and the Nets could somehow get bad enough to pick up, like, I don't know, the fifth or the sixth or the seventh overall pick. That would make a lot of sense for Brooklyn, especially given their current predicament after dealing Kyrie and KD. Now, why is that good for the Rockets? It's fantastic for the Rockets because what that ultimately means is if the Nets decide to go that route, if they decide they want to bottom out this season and try and pick up a top draft asset... There's the slim chance that, let's say the Nets lottery odds, they land at, I don't know, 10th place in the lottery odds. And the Rockets have, let's say, they're still the worst team in the NBA, the best lottery odds. There's that slim, however you know, small percentage chance that the Nets pick would actually leapfrog and jump into the top four of the NBA draft lottery. And maybe it jumps into the top four and it lands at, number one or number two or number three, whatever. And maybe the Rockets don't get such good luck, right? And their pick falls down to four or to five. Guess what then? You get to swap that pick with the Nets. Basically, you might have a double shot at Wimby and Scoot in a year where the top two draft picks are so insanely good. Having a double shot at those guys would be fantastic, however small the secondary chance is on the Brooklyn Nets pick. Now, why would the Nets willingly help the Rockets in this regard, right? Why would they bottom out and give the Rockets a better chance at getting one of the two most generational prospects in recent memory? Uh, well, first off, because in that hypothetical, right, the Nets still walk away with a top pick. Like, let's say the Rockets pick lands at number two and the Nets pick lands at number one. Yeah, it really sucks that you didn't get Wimbenyama, but guess what? You get Scoot Henderson. Like, that's the, that's the situation for the Nets. So, the lead up to the trade deadline will be very interesting to see what the Nets ultimately decide to do because they could go a lot of different directions. Again, they can package some of those players together and maybe try and make a splash for a guy who is actually a star caliber type player and try and actually be relevant for the rest of the season. Maybe they're just not going to make any more moves. Maybe they're just going to keep everything they've got in place and they're just going to tell Jacques Vaughn, hey, you know what? You're going to go out there with a group of a bunch of 3 and D role players and you're going to have this really gritty, grinded out team. Go for it. Make something happen. Maybe that's the direction they go. Or maybe, again, maybe they fire sale everybody. Maybe they start flipping guys for first-round draft assets and all this, that, and the other thing, and they're going to field like a G League team for the rest of the season to try and ultimately bottom out. 
that begs the question is if they do go that final route, if they are looking to trade some of these pieces that they've since acquired in the aftermath of these two deals, should the Rockets get involved with the Nets and potentially deal back a pick or remove the swap rights on a pick or one of those years with the picks with the swap rights uh, for somebody like a Cam Johnson or a Mikhail Bridges. Like, would those be names that would be appealing to the Houston Rockets at this point in time? Depending on the cost, I could be convinced. Like, I don't know. Cam Johnson is a is a fantastic 3 and D role player, right? Great shooter, great size, would be amazing. Mikael Bridges would also be incredible. But given the way the market has looked for OG Ananobi and with the, the Raptors wanting, I believe it was reported like two firsts and a swap or two firsts and two swaps or something like that was kind of, the bar was set really high for OG Ananobi and Mikael Bridges is a better player than OG Ananobi. So if that's the bar for a player of that caliber, it's not time for the Rockets to make that move. And, and cashing in the Brooklyn Nets picks back to Brooklyn to try and get one of those players right now doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense, but it is something worth being on the lookout for that the Rockets may get involved and try and, you know, see if they can pry away a piece or two from Brooklyn. Maybe again, maybe the swap rights on this year's pick, maybe Brooklyn is like, you know what? We really want to bottom out, but we hate the fact that Houston Hone owns the swap right for this year. If they don't want to pay Cam Johnson, this summer, because Cam Johnson could be is going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer. If they don't want to pay Cam Johnson, they might hit up Houston and say, hey, you know what? We'll give you Cam Johnson. Just remove the swap rights on this year's pick alone so that we can bottom out and that that way we don't have to worry about swapping with you guys if we do land Wimby or Scoot at the top of the draft, whatever. And then the Rockets could get Cam Johnson. And if he agrees to sign an extension, obviously, like or a new deal, then that would be part of the parameters for that. But that's... Just a possibility. It's something worth considering. There's a lot of options here for the Houston Rockets moving forward with these Brooklyn Nets assets. And some of those options might involve getting getting those assets back to Brooklyn. Because again, those, those picks do wonders if they belong to Brooklyn as opposed to any other organization. But right now, you want to trade on the potential of those picks. And right now, the potential on those picks is sky high. And here's another note to consider. I mentioned the three-team deal earlier on from last episode with Russell Westbrook heading to Utah, which he will be bought out. Uh, the Utah Jazz sending uh, Mike Conley to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then the Timberwolves are sending D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, I believe, and one other piece. I want to make sure who is it. Do-do-do-do-do. Uh, Josh Hart. Sorry, I'm looking. I'm driving through the the all the different trades that have happened. Yeah. So D'Lo, sorry, D'Lo, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt going to the Lakers. Uh, this trade makes the Lakers better in the immediate here and now. It also makes the Timberwolves slightly better uh, with Mike Conley in place of D'Angelo Russell. I think that's an upgrade for them. And the Utah Jazz are just going to buy out Russell Westbrook, so that part kind of doesn't matter here. But right now. Uh, Utah owns all of Minnesota's future picks and New Orleans owns all of LA's future picks by way of the Anthony Davis trade and by way of the Rudy Gobert trades. So 
those two teams, the Lakers getting better and being better, and the Minnesota Timberwolves theoretically getting better and being better by way of this trade, the three-team trade, is better for the Rockets because of those stockpiles of future assets, future picks, whatever. Right now, I'd argue that the Brooklyn Nets are the most unstable franchise and that the future picks that have been allocated to other organizations, that the Nets picks that the Rockets own are the most attractive of the entire NBA landscape currently. So that's at least something worth considering and it's worth noting here as far as the implications and how all of this kind of impacts the Rockets in the in the grand scheme of things. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I, I want to, as far as the KD trade stuff goes um there are have been there have been other deals like i mean i'm trying to look at some of the other deals that have gone through uh the Knicks are trading the Knicks traded Cam Reddish and a protected future first round pick to the Blazers for Josh Hart uh another deal that went down uh and then further down the line uh the Toronto Raptors are getting bringing home uh Jakob Pertl they're Trade the Spurs are trading Jakob Pertl to the Toronto Raptors for Kim Birch, a protected 2024 first round draft pick, and two future second round picks. So, this has been a really weird deadline where a bunch of players are like going home, right? So, like uh, TJ Warren going back to the Suns, Jakob Pertl going back to the Toronto Raptors, Spencer Dinwiddie going back to the Brooklyn Nets. D'Angelo Russell going back to the LA Lakers. It's like a just, it's a homecoming. It's like a reset. It's like all these guys are going back to their roots. It's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, this has been an insane NBA trade deadline and we're not done is the crazy part. I mean, we are going to have, I feel like we're in store for a really hectic trade deadline now and whether or not the Rockets actually decide they want to jump in on some of these moves. Um, Maybe the Suns are really, like, here's the other thing. Maybe the Suns want to really go, like, all in, all in. And maybe they're willing to trade for an Eric Gordon now. Maybe maybe that move makes a little bit more sense for them. They've got Kevin Durant now. They've already gone all in on KD. Maybe they want one more piece to get them over the top. And maybe Eric Gordon is that guy. Maybe the Mavericks aren't done making moves, right? Maybe the Milwaukee Bucks, now that Jay Crowder was part of the framework for the KD trade. Although, eh, Crowder's probably going to get bought out by the uh, by the Brooklyn Nets. Maybe they hold on to him. Who knows? But maybe the maybe the Milwaukee Bucks would have a bit more interest in trying to pick up Eric Gordon now. Like this, the way the market has shifted, I mentioned in the last episode, everything was going to be in a standstill until the KD trade happened. That was going to be the thing that opened the floodgates for all the other trades to be able to come through because teams were going to be waiting to see, okay, is the KD trade going to happen or is it not going to happen? Now that it's happened, I feel a little bit more encouraged about the op the, the opportunity for the Rockets to deal Eric Gordon and actually get back a maybe a semi-decent return for him at this point. So we'll see what ultimately happens with the trade deadline concerning the Houston Rockets. What other moves will be made by teams across the association? Of course, we'll have you covered for all that reaction and stuff here. But coming up, I do want to share some thoughts, some notes from the Rockets' really disappointing loss against the Sacramento Kings. The way that game ended was just absolutely brutal. Oh, my. Couldn't have said it better myself. We're going to unpack the ridiculous display from the NBA officiating crew in that game, as well as Jalen Green's 41-point night, Alper and Shingun passing clinic, all of that coming up here in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Um... 
a lot here in this last segment because this was going to be a full show, but then the deadline stuff happened. And <laughs> all right, so here we go. Um, first off, what the hell, man? I wanted the Rockets to win that game so bad. They deserve to win that game. Like, look, yes, they still let the Kings score 130 points, right? It's only a 10-point improvement from the first meetup between these two teams. But the effort was there. They were actually fighting and playing so hard. Like, this, like they, they responded, right? Silas chewed him out, and he was getting into them. And there were moments, and we're going to talk about one of them with, with Alper and Shingun. Like, Silas was... All over these guys in this game. In fact, that's that's actually, you know, look, I, I'm all over the place here. What we're going to say is the ending of that game was brutal. And it wasn't just the final call on Eric Gordon, which was one of the worst calls that I've ever seen made in an NBA game. The officials have been so trash this season. Eric Gordon did not make contact with De'Aaron Fox. He did not hit his hip. He did not catch his leg. De'Aaron Fox embellished the hell out of that contact. There were multiple camera angles, and there was one clear as day from the angle, like, behind the basket that actually showed Eric Gordon did not touch De'Aaron Fox. And then in the pool report uh, by the officials, because they love doubling down on their BS, uh, they were asked, why was the Fox three-point attempt with .3 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter deemed a foul? And the crew chief official said, Gordon makes illegal contact to the lower body of Fox, affecting his ability to land safely. They doubled down on that by further saying there was no doubt on the floor that the call was correct. And after post-game video review, the call on the floor of a defensive foul is confirmed. Terrible. Just awful. But here's the problem. Is as bad as that call was, it should not have come down to that call. Because the Rockets had not one, not two, but three crucial turnovers in the final 60 seconds of this game against the Sacramento Kings. They led by five. They led by five points with under a minute to go. Jalen Green turned the ball over. De'Aaron Fox gets two points off of it. K.J. Martin drives the ball down the length of the court. Offensive charge or offensive foul, right? Charging call. So that's two turnovers. And then the, the, the turnover that was just the dagger for this game, that the one that like gave the Kings life, was with 1.1 seconds left on the clock, the Rockets are inbounding the ball, and LP bad pass, Malik Monk recovers it, barely recovers it. I guess he had control of the ball for like, I don't know, two-tenths of a second, long enough for Mike Brown over on the sideline to call timeout, and... It gave the Kings possession, and it's what allowed them to draw up their sideline out-of-bounds play that led to De'Aaron Fox heaving the ball and embellishing contact and getting the three free throws and icing the game. Really, really disappointing end to this game for the Rockets because they fought hard, they played hard, and again, I really thought that they responded incredibly well to Steven Silas, who was super critical of the team in this game. And there was even a moment in the second quarter where... He actually benched Alper and Shingun for like what like less than 15 seconds. Like it was like a possession or two tops. He was super mad at Alpi about something on the court and he subbed him out, was yelling at him all the way down to the bench and then called him back up 
and was still talking to him the whole way back. And then Alpi checked back in. And this was like the tail end of the second quarter. I'm going to try and go find the video later and put it on my Twitter feed. But this was Alpi's response when asked about that exchange with Steven Silas during the end of the second quarter, late in the second quarter of this game. Yeah, actually, uh, uh, he was he was like mad at me. He was right. And then he wake me up. He put me, uh, he put me in the game again after that. He just wake me up. Yeah, it was my fault. I was a little bit confused. So, as look, as much criticism as I've lobbed Steven Silas's way, this is kind of what we've been waiting to see. Now, I I need it to see. I need it to be extended to everybody on the roster because again I feel like there's been an unfair amount of scrutiny towards Alper and Shingun and the mistakes and the things that he may or may not be doing on the basketball court especially defensively you never hear those criticisms lobbied towards Jalen Green or Kevin Porter Jr. or Jabari Smith Jr. whatever when those guys make just as many if not more mistakes defensively or just elsewhere on the court than Shingun does but I love that right and I love Shingun's response right he was like I was wrong he was like I was confused he was right. I was messing up. And you know what? He pulled me out of the game. He chewed me out for it. He put me back in the game. And guess what? I played better. Like, that's what coaching is. That's the accountability. That's the, hey, like, you're screwing up. Let me tell you why you're screwing up. Let me put you back in the game so you can go not screw up, right? I loved that moment. That was, and and the way, I loved, a top to bottom, seeing Steven Silas do that, seeing him coach that way, and seeing Alpi respond the way that he did was huge, right? I hate that it took two and a half years for us to get to this point, but maybe, it, look, if Steven Silas can tap into this version, if Steven Silas is evolving as a coach, then I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm not still on board the idea of looking for a new head coach this offseason, but look, it doesn't feel like the Rockets are going to move on from him, so... He's got, what, a third of the season left to go to try and prove something? Maybe we see something different out of Steven Silas in this final one-third of the season. I don't know, but he's got a chance. While he's still the head coach of the Rockets, maybe he starts turning some heads. Maybe he starts doing some things that actually inspire some confidence, and by the end of the season, maybe we're changing our tune. Maybe I'm changing my tune by the end of the season on Steven Silas. I loved this moment, and I want to give Silas credit for that. Um... And I want to give him credit, right, just for having the team better prepared, right? They 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 fought, they played hard, they were getting after 50-50 balls. They looked good in this game. They they deserved to win this game. They really did. Uh, and despite that one really bad turnover at the end of the game by Alper and Shingun, um, the the crucial one, uh, Alpi did have a career high at eleven assists. Played a fantastic game. Hit 18 points, nine boards, one rebound away from a triple-double, 11 assists, had a steal, had a block, 7 of 11 shooting. Was working the two-man game really well with Jalen Green. Those two guys really finding their flow. Uh, the team as a whole, finding LP in the middle of the floor, getting to his buckets, was great to see. Uh, and then Jalen Green. That's that's where I want to kind of, you know, wrap things up for, you know, the, the thoughts on this game. Jalen's playing like a superstar. Jalen is playing like an absolute star. Um, he had 41 points. It's his fourth career 40-plus uh, game as a professional basketball player. And he just, like, the issue with Jalen, right, is when the three-point shot isn't going, his his game becomes really, I don't know, predictable. 
Um, because then you know that he's going to try and drive and he doesn't quite have like the craft or the finishing ability around the basket that you would like for him to have at this stage. And that is a bit concerning for sure. But when the three ball is falling, like it was in this game, he had, he shot six of nine from distance. Nice. Uh, Again, so 20, you know, 41 points, 14 of 22 overall, 6 of 9 from deep, 7 of 9 at the charity stripe uh, to go with a couple rebounds, couple of assists. Did have four turnovers, but I thought Jalen really handled himself well the way that the Kings were blitzing everything and the way that they were, I, I don't know, just the Kings were focusing Jalen defensively and he was still making it happen. He was still making the right reads, making solid passes, all of that. And here's the thing that really stands out is over the last 10 games, so 10 games for Jalen Green, all of which without Kevin Porter Jr. in the lineup, Jalen Green is averaging 24.8 points per contest on 58.5% true shooting. The true shooting has been steadily climbing up as the three-point shot kind of comes back to Jalen. He's been playing out of his mind. And that two-man game, Jalen looks really good. Al P looks really good. They've leaned into this new identity for the team. I still want I want Kevin to be healthy I want KPJ to get healthy and get back and rejoin the team because I want to see what happens when he does I want to see if the team can continue to lean into what they've been doing in his absence or if he comes back and if the head honcho show starts up all over again so I loved what I saw out of Jalen in this game I thought it was a great response from him I thought it was a fantastic response from the team as a whole and then the cherry on top of all of this is that Jay Sean Tate had one hell of a game. Uh, sorry, 16 points on 7 of 14 shooting. He had 6 rebounds, 2 assists, a few turnovers. But this is like a one game from Jay Sean Tate the night before the NBA trade deadline to be able to try and boost his value up a little bit. He's looking at the Rockets front office. And he's like, don't worry, guys. I got y'all. So <laughs> I thought that was a great performance from him. And uh, overall, it was a fun High octane, crazy game. KJ Martin tried to baptize DeMontis Sabonis at one point. Like, I swear, if he had converted that dunk, I would have, I would have leapt out of my media seat and cheered, which is the most like you're not supposed to do that type thing. I would have done it anyways. I would have been, I would have been like, yeah, KJ. <laughs> um, it was a fun game. And the Rockets deserve to win it. It sucks that it ended the way that it did, but in the grand scheme of things, it's almost the perfect storybook ending for the Rockets from this game. I, w I really do wish the guys would have gotten that win. They, they deserve to win that game. But it is another L in the loss column, which is another step closer to one of Victor Wembanyama or Scoot Henderson. And I've been telling y'all forever, been telling y'all for a very long time that I would get this situated for the YouTube audience, that I would have the screen with the tankathon sim and everything pulled up ready to go and now i do so here we go we're doing a tankathon spin to end the episode because the rockets did take an l which means we have to run the tankathon spin so here we go the rockets have the best odds at 13 and 42 the best chance at a top selection or you know they can't fall lower than five that's what i'm trying to say here so where's it gonna land um think about it in your head verbalize it if you need to. Uh, my prediction right now, if you're in the live chat on YouTube, type it up there. My prediction, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it lands number two on this one. I'm feeling number two. We're going Scoot Henderson on this one. 
Let's sim the lottery and see what happens. Uh, oh, okay. Not the worst case scenario. Not quite where I thought it was going to land. Indiana jumps up five spots to number one. Detroit stays pat at number two. The Rockets fall down to number three. The LA Lakers jump up to number four, which then conveys to the New Orleans Pelicans. Hopefully that does not happen with the Lakers receiving that little uh, stimulus package from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Hopefully they'll start piecing it together and playing better uh, moving forward. San Antonio Spurs plummet all the way down to number five, Charlotte at six, and Orlando down at seven, and then it goes chalk the rest of the way. So that does it for our Tankathon spin on today's episode. But as always, thank you so much for checking out the show. As always, like, means a lot you checking out the show. I don't know why I repeated myself twice there. It's it's very late in the morning, and I am gassed and uh, trying to get the show wrapped up. So with that... <laughs> Thank you for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Go share your thoughts on the NBA trade deadline madness. Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns, uh, what that means for the Houston Rockets. Give me your thoughts on the BS officiating in the Rockets game. Let me know. Just pour it all out. It's, this, is a, this is a safe space here at Lockdown Rockets, okay? Let me know all your thoughts. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.